Can't you talk with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secrets? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light? Shone through. How long has it been since your mind felt at ease? How long since your heart knew no burden? Can you call him your friend? Since you knew that he cared for you. How long has it been since you knelt by your bed and prayed to the Since you knew that he'd answer you and would keep you the long night through, how long has it been? the living. Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? Can you call him your friend? It's just how long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? It's not nowhere near, but that right there was uh, the kind of 
songs when I got saved one time, you would hear a specialist. And, uh, and, I, and I enjoyed it. It brought back a lot of memories. And it, it's convicting, isn't it? It's a blessing. That song's a blessing, but it's convicting about, about prayer. Thank you, Brother Bell. He's an excellent singer as well as preacher and pastor. Look in your Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Looking forward to hearing Brother Johnson. And uh, I love to hear him preach. And uh, he's got a way about him to keep your attention, doesn't he? And uh, I love, I wish I could remember some of those things he says. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about some of the funny things he says. He's sort of like Brother Tony. He could, he could, uh, he could, he could. If he wasn't a preacher, he could just about be a, uh, a comedian. Uh, Brother Johnson's that way too. Some of the funny things he says, but I like that. It keeps your attention, doesn't it? I like it. You know, God makes us different. Brother Bell said that. You know, and uh, he, he gave Brother Johnson a, a good way about him that he could. He could when he preaches, an excellent preacher, and I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing him. Look at look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, and it's good to see you this morning. And I'm, I'm I'm glad to be here. Thank you again, lest I forget to say anything about it for everything uh, that's been done for us while we've been here. We've enjoyed every song. We've enjoyed all the messages. We've enjoyed the room, the uh, the things that was placed in the room for us, the meals. We got a great church here. Had a great crowd last night, prayer meeting. Had a good crowd this morning. Now I'm going to read a few verses, starting in verse 1. Paul said, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. He said, I come to, to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. Now, I, I, I believe what this is, is Paul talking about when he was stoned at Lystra. And, and, and I actually believe that Paul died. He said, whether in the body, I, I can't tell whether out of the body. Uh, but he he, uh, he said he was caught up to the third heaven. Well, if, if there's a third, there must be a first and a second. And so the first heaven's out here where the birds fly. And uh, the second heaven's up there in the clouds and the stars. That's the second heaven. And we see the first heaven by day when the sun's shining. We see the second heaven by night with the moon and the stars. And you see the third one by faith. And Paul was saved. And that's how he got caught up to that third heaven. He was, he was up there where the Lord was. And he said, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God know it, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I despair to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelation there was given me a thorn in the flesh, 
the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord Christ, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. Now, I'm going to use these verses and, and, and give you some things. And this is a simple message. All of my messages are simple. But this one right here is something you can remember. When you're tempted, when you're tested, you know, Paul was tested, wasn't he? He was tested. Every every person. Now, the, sometimes you see the word tempted uh, in the Bible, and it means test. It does not, uh, in, in the Bible, uh, I, I believe it's in James uh, there, talks about that God doesn't tempt anybody. Well, that means tempt to do wrong. But but God does test us. For instance, we know he, tempt, uh, he tested Abraham, didn't he? And, and by the way, nothing's good unless he's been tested. Uh, you know, I, 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 I collect old pocket knives. Old pocket knives. I, 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 people say, why in the world old pocket knives? I don't know. I got a bunch of them. And I, I buy some. It's just Brother Johnson. They just bore out when I got them. But I like them. I like them sometimes for that reason. Old. And, but you know, the case pocket knives, the old case pocket knives, it'll say on a case, and it'll say double X, it'll say tested. And it talks about they were tested. Those knives were tested. The steel has been tested. I've studied out a little bit about that steel. That stainless steel is sharp when you get it, but you can't sharpen it after it gets dull much. But you take that old carbon steel that'll rust, you hit it on a lick, a lick or two on a, on a rock, on a wet rock, brother, it'll come to life. I mean, it's old, but it's been tested. Now, let me, let me say something about Christians must be tested, but there's some things when you're tested that you've got that you can always rely on that'll pull you through when you're tested. You know, Paul said there was given him a test, a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed God would remove it, and he did. God never did remove it. It was there. And by the way, the, the devil was, was used in that too. He said a messenger of Satan buffeted me. I don't know exactly what it was. I, I, I think I have an idea. Some people think it was his eyesight. You know, he had problems with, uh, and he was stoned, uh, Brother Richardson, in the head because they was trying to stone him to death, kill him down there at Lystra. So I think his head was damaged. And uh, his eyesight could have been damaged some from that, and, and I, I understand that. But I really don't think it said the messenger of Satan. Let me tell you what I think it was. A lot of times it was his conscience. And I think when Paul would preach sometimes and hundreds would be saved and God give revival and uh, God would move in a great way. And old Paul would go back to wherever he'd stay and lay down at night. And the devil would say, yeah, yeah, you've seen a good meeting today, but I'll tell you one thing. You better remember, you killed one of God's best servants, and you'd be getting a lot more done if you'd not killed that deacon down yonder that you killed and stood there and held the coats of those men that stoned Stephen to death. 
Yeah, do you remember that box that was down there in a prayer meeting? You broke it up and split up families and took some of them to one prison and some to other and beat people to death. You remember that? And I believe Paul would almost lose his mind sometimes because of his conscience. Now, you say, well, that may not be. It might not, but I think it's worthy of thought. Now, uh, let me. Uh, that's beside the point. Let me tell you, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. James tells us something about that in the first chapter, verses 1 through 12. Peter tells us something about that in 1 Peter 1, 6 through 8. I won't turn to all those verses. But I want to give you, uh, when you're tested, what you have, what you've got that you can always rely on when you're tempted, when you're tested and you're going through it. Let me say, number one, that you have uh, the indwelling spirit abiding in you. You have the indwelling spirit of God abiding in you. In John 14, in John 14, and verses 16 through 18, he said, Jesus said to the disciples, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. See, when Jesus was with them, he was the comforter. And he said, I'm going to pray for another one. I'm going, I'm going away. And he said, I'm going to pray to the Father that he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Listen to this. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, that's a promise. So every child of God, every child of God that is uh, uh, that, that's been born again, uh, listen, you have in you the indwelling spirit. So when you're tempted, you can lean on the indwelling spirit that abides in you. In verses 7 and 8 of the 16th chapter of John, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he'll reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see? And, and when he's come, he tells what he'll do. But you know what it is? He, he refers to him as the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. So you've got the Comforter. Hey, look in Romans, in the book of Romans, over here, let me turn over to the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. Real quickly now, uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, uh, in verse 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. And then, uh, in verses 14 through 16, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Isn't that good? So you know what you've got in you that lives inside of you? And by the way, Romans 8, 9 says, and Romans 8, 16 said, that if we have not the Spirit of God, we're none of His. And I know some of the Pentecostal brethren that they'd say, yeah, I got saved, and, and then I got, uh, the next night I got the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. When you got saved, at the minute you got saved, you got born again, at that second, the Spirit of God took up His abode in you. Brother Johnson mentioned yesterday two things we can do against the Spirit of God. 
grieve him by our actions and our bitterness and hard feelings and anger and evil speaking and clamor and all that, that we can quench him. That's so endurable. See? And so we got to be careful because he's sensitive. The Holy Spirit of God uh, is, uh, is part of the Godhead that lives in you. Hey, he's our comforter. So when you're tempted, you have the indwelling spirit in you when you're tested. And he will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able to take. He'll comfort you. You know, last fall, my, my brother died, and I buried him, and it's a heartache. And 42 days later, I buried my daddy. And you know something? Uh, I've had uh, both of them. I had to preach both of their funerals. Both of them. I preached both of them's funeral 42 days apart. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe somebody else. And you know something? Uh, the Spirit of God. I'll be with you. I'll help you. And you know something? Uh, uh, Brother Richardson, when I walked to that pulpit to do their funerals, uh, God was with me. It's like he was standing right with me and just helping me, giving me grace and, and helping me and undergirding me with strength. And listen, he helped me and brought scripture to my mind and comforted me and helped me in that trial that I was in. And let me tell you, God, my friend, and when you go through it, you have, when you're tempted, when you're tested, you have the indwelling spirit abiding in you. Now, what else do you have? You have the interceding Savior above you. You have the interceding, the interceding Savior above you. Look at John 17. Look at John 17. Now, I'm going to tear something up here that a lot of people, uh, they got you know, uh, they, they, uh, I'll, I'll go to weddings sometimes, do, uh, do a wedding, and they'll say to me, well, now, preacher, we're going to sing the Lord's Prayer at, at, at the wedding today. I thought, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're singing the model prayer. You ain't singing the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, preacher, as you know, it's John 17. Uh, the, the model prayer, the skeleton prayer that he tells the disciples, I said, Lord, you teach us to, uh, how to pray. And Jesus gave an outline there in John there, did he not? Uh, but now wait a minute. The Lord's prayer is in John 17 when he's actually praying for us. Look at John 17. Look at verse 9. Look what he said. I will pray for them. John 17, 9. I will pray for them. Now, and you say, is this him praying or is he just saying he's praying? Look at verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father. He's praying. He lifted up his eyes and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. And so he's praying. Now, down in verse 9, verse 9, I will pray for them. I pray not uh, for the world, but for them that thou hast given me for they are mine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given uh, me, that they may be one as we're one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those whom thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. Uh, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and uh, these things I speak in the world, that they might uh, have uh, joy, uh, 
fulfilled in themselves. And I have given them thy word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. That means from harm. And he said, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent them, uh, sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, sanctif- uh, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He's praying for you and me. Hey, you know something? You say, well, uh, that might have been then. Hey, no. Look here. Look at Hebrews. Look at Hebrews in the seventh chapter. And I know I'm having you to turn to some places, but look at Hebrews chapter number seven. Look right here in verse 25. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing, look at this, he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. You know what he's doing? He's making intercession for you and me. You know what Jesus is doing right now? Brother, man, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you and me. So, hey, what have you got when you're tempted? You have the indwelling spirit abiding in you, and you have the interceding Savior uh, above you. So that's two wonderful things you've got there going for you when you're tempted. Let me give you a third one. In Acts chapter 9, you have the interested saints around you. Look at Acts chapter 9 uh, there. Acts chapter number 9. And even uh, Acts 9 chapter number 9, and let me just look right here, in Acts chapter number 9, and verses 20, Acts 9, verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue, he's the Son of God, but all that heard him were amazed, and said, is not this he which destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the, uh, uh, the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their lying awake was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples of the Lord, uh, the disciples, uh, took him by night and led him down by the walls in a basket. Now, you know how who saved Paul right there? Uh, a, a preacher, it don't say. You said that a certain man, the preacher preached on last night, certain man. These were certain disciples. I, I don't know who they was. It doesn't say. Don't say who they was. I'm not sure who they were. But I'll tell you who they was. They, they, were, they were the ones that, uh, they were the ones that uh, uh, helped Paul get out of there so he could live. Now look at Acts 13 and look at verse 19. Look at Acts, I'm sorry, Acts 14 and verse 19. And thither came 
certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, look, having stoned Paul and drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. They said they stoned him and said, we've killed him. Now look, how be it as the disciples stood round about him? He rose up and came into the city, and the next day departed with Barnabas to Derby. Hey, you know what? He's laying there with blood running out of him, and the disciples know about it. And then the disciples stood around about him, and he rose up and came into the city. You know how he got up? The interested saints around him. Now let me tell you something. When you're tempted and you're tested and you're going through hell by the acre, and it's, I mean, it seems like the forces of hell are coming in on you. Let me tell you what you need. You need this church. You need to be sitting on this pew. You say, well, I'm so discouraged I can't get there. Then crawl in here. And crawl in here. And get on one of these pews or one of these chairs and shut out here and let that man of God right there take this book and help get you up. Even if the blood's dripping off of you, you let him help you, and bless God, you'll make it. You'll make it. But, brother, let me tell you something. The worst thing you can do is stay at the house and cover up your head and stay in the bed and then uh, get up three or four hours after church is over and then turn on the news uh, and sit and watch a bunch of uh, discouraged, defeated outlaws and a bunch of uh, uh, people that's uh, gloom and doom. And, and all of that junk, and praise God, you'll go jump off of the side of a bridge somewhere. You don't need that. You need to be in here with the interested saints around you. You know, Paul made it out of there when he started preaching. They put him in a basket and stood around him and let him down. They held the ropes for him. And you know what you need to do? You need to hold the ropes for him. You boys down here, as stout as horses, sitting down here, you need to get a hold of the ropes for this man of God right here. And you staff members, you get a hold of the ropes, and you 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 hold this man up because he's holding you up. See, it was to their advantage to keep Paul going because Paul, God was using him to write scriptures to keep them going. So they needed to doctor on him and love on him and help him. And I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. For 33 years, you don't know what this man appears to have been. Held by the acre. And I know what it's like. I know what it's like. Yes, there's blessings. Yes, there's benefits. But, brother, let me tell you, there's battles that you've got no idea. And let me tell you, brother, when it's higher levels, it's bigger devils. And they're, they're after your preacher. And brother, you better stand round about him. You, you, you let some of them rocks that he's taken ricochet off of you and you help some of that uh, uh, to soften the blow. But because he's watching for your soul. He's watching out for you. And when you get to where you can't make it, he's going to be the one that's going to be there. He'll be the one that'll be there. Oh, let me tell you something. Well, what do you have? You, when you can get in here, you've got the interesting saints around you. So what do you have when you're tempted? The indwelling spirit abiding in you. 
interceding Savior above you and the interested saints around you. Let me give you one more. You have the inspired scriptures available to you. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means every word in this King James by here is inspired. Now you say, well, preacher couldn't have been. It was in Arabic and Hebrew and Greek and all that. Look, I understand all that, but let me tell you something. And I'm not very smart. All them books, I went back last night, all them Bibles Brother Watts had over yonder last night looking at all that. That's amazing to see all that. I couldn't believe it in my eyes when I stand there looking at all that. That's amazing. But let me tell you something. It really ain't complicated. All, all God done, Brother Johnson, is he spoke to them holy men of old that wrote and penned this down. And then God's Holy Ghost preserved it. And he got it to them translators and they took every word off of that Hebrew and Greek and they didn't lose one jot nor tittle and they didn't lose nothing. And when they, it was called preservation of inspiration and put it in English and we got exactly what they had. We, We got everything that Paul had, I've got. Everything Moses had, I've got. I just got it in English where I can understand it. If it was in Hebrew or Greek, I can't understand it. But I got it in English. But I got the words of God that is available to me. See? Hey, you know what? To, uh, listen. Uh, and I believe every word of it. I believe every word. I believe right here where it says genuine cowhide. I believe that. Bless God, I believe it all. I believe the maps and the concordance and all of it. I mean all of it. I'm, I'm, I'm funny about the Bible. I don't even, in my, when I put this in my briefcase, I make sure them ribbons, is, it's, it ain't like this. It ain't turned upside down. It's packed right. And when I'm in the car riding, I don't put my code on it. I don't put other commentaries on it. You say, why? Because it's the pure words of God. And I got the words of God. People said, boy, I wish I could ask Jesus what he said about something. You can. This is the mouth of God right here. And when you open it up, he's talking. And you get in it and find out what God said. It's a word of God. It's alive. It's real. You know what it does? It converted us. We're saved by the words of God. We're saved. God's word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Then it corrects us in our doctrine. It keeps us straight in our doctrine. Then it comforts us in our heartache. It cleanses us and it connects us to the Spirit of God. So you've got the indwelling Spirit abiding in you when you're tested. You've got the interceding Savior above you praying for you. You've got the interested saints around you when you're in church. And you've got the inspired scriptures available to you. You say, preacher, that's just kindergarten. It'll save your hide. That's what it'll do. It'll, it'll, it'll keep you going in the storm is what it'll do. It'll keep you going. Oh, Lester Roloff, Brother 
Johnson, I was down in Chattanooga, brother Bell, probably when you was down there, about 84, somewhere in 83, 84, down there at a sword conference in Chattanooga, down in Highland Park, and I was under an old tent, a big old tent, probably three times as big as this auditorium, and they had books and Bibles under it. You remember that? They said old tent up in the parking lot, and they had Bibles and books and tapes and just everything under there. And I walked by a table, didn't have it, maybe one book on it or two. And then it had an old black Bible laying there. It looked like it looked like it'd been through two world wars. I mean, it just looked like it was going to come out. It was laying there. It was open. It was laying there. And I just kind of looked at that old Bible. I thought, I wonder about that Bible. And I looked up, and I was standing at the Roloff Enterprises there. And there was an old boy sitting there, and he said, uh, Go ahead, sir, pick it up. Reached down got the Bible. He said, You know whose Bible you got in your hand? I said, No. He said, Lester Roloff. Man, that's a funny feeling to about that, Brother Roloff. He said, That Bible right there is the one he was carrying when they put him in jail because he wouldn't take a license from the state of Texas. Now, let me tell you something about that. I know something about that. They said he was under such pressure when they was putting him through trial that they said hives would break out on him half-inch high. And Brother Bell, they said that they had a they had him in trial, you know, and they broke for recess. He had a Southern Baptist lawyer that was a good Christian man who was trying to help him. They said he went out there on the steps. Roloff was sitting on the courthouse steps, his head down, just sitting there looking. Said so that lawyer walked out and said, I'm sorry, old brother Roloff, put his arm around his brother, brother Roloff. He said, Just sir, if you just accept that license, I'll be your personal lawyer the rest of your life. And I promise you, it'll never cost you a dime, and I'll defend you tooth and nail. If you'll just take that license, I'll never let the state come in on you. I'll defend you myself. Just take the license. And they said, roll off something with his head down. They thought he might be getting through to him a little bit. Said, oh, roll off, looked up and looked at him and said, I'd rather shovel coal in the furnace of hell to make it hotter than I would to take a license from the state of Texas. That was his answer. And Welch wailed up on him because of the pressure he was under. How did he stand it? You know why he stood it? He had the indwelling spirit in him. He had the Savior interceding above him. He had the inspired scriptures available to him. And he had the interesting saints around him. You know what they did? They put him in jail. And I seen that old Bible that he had. And I heard him say one day on a radio broadcast, when I was going through all that, they put me in jail, said they'd turn rock music up in that jail. There's old boys playing rock music in there. And he said, I'd have lost my mind, he said, if it hadn't been for the Scriptures. I thought, there it is. How'd he make it through that test? He made it because of this old book. The same way you're going to make it. And there'll be a test that'll come one day. There's storm, but then there's the Eurocracy. 
there's that storm that you say, oh, I remember that one. Brother, that's when you better have the goods. Let's bow our heads. Now, have a